0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. I'm Isaiah Leininger. I don't know what that just was, but we're going to roll with it. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend Walker Howell, and our special guest today is Logan Richardson. Go ahead and say hello, Logan. How's it going, guys? So, welcome back to season two, episode number three, I believe, Walker. Episode number three of season two of the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. If you're new, this is a show where we try to look at worldly problems from a godly perspective. And season two, we're diving into some controversial topics. We're looking at some things that are dividing. We're looking at some things that people have split opinions on. And the tagline, so to speak, for all of season two is, wait, the Bible talks about dot, dot, dot. And today, the wait, the Bible talks about dot, dot, dot is followed by denominationalism which is another word for the different branches, so to speak, of Christianity. And as we go about this topic, Walker and Logan and I are in unison on this, that we want to say these things in love. We don't want to come, as, come across as if we're attacking a certain group or a certain uh, denomination. We're just trying to look at what the Bible says about why the church is split and, what, and, sh- and whether or not the church should be split. And again, these these are not our opinions, but this is what the Bible has to say. Uh, but like I said, today's episode, we're going to be talking about denominationalism, and to do that, we have brought in our good friend, Logan Richardson. Logan, want to go ahead and give us a brief little introduction?
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Logan Richardson, and I'm a senior Bible and photography major at Freed Hartman with uh, Walker and Isaiah. And um, uh, they asked me to come on the podcast, and I was really excited to accept um, I'm from Florence, Alabama, is where my family lives, uh, but I just got married uh, back in February and live uh, with my wife here close
0: to uh, campus, so
1: life's going pretty good.
0: And Logan, we are so thankful that you were able to join us on this podcast, on this episode. Uh, so before we jump into the, the topic, we need to define our terms. That's uh, something that we've started saying around here. Yes. Uh, we, need to, we need to know what we're talking about, and we need everyone to be on the same page. Because we're talking about unison, so same page. Um, So, Walker, what is denominationalism? And also, how can I say that without sounding stupid? Because I feel like I'm mispronouncing that word every time. (laughs) It's a long word. (laughs) It is.
2: And I'm going to do something that many English scholars would uh, despise of or that they would not find uh, very kind or whatever. And that is I'm going to define the word with the word um <laughs> so denominationalism is the tendency to divide into denominations or sex now uh uh i got that from a, a dictionary so that wasn't my definition that's actually a dictionary definition so blame it on the dictionary not me um, the dictionary breaks
1: english laws then. The, yes <laughs> it's it, its fault.
2: It's, <laughs> it's, it's fault. i mean if you want to blame it on me go ahead but uh you know so denominationalism is just that. It's it's division, dividing uh, groups of people up into different areas based on their certain beliefs. And that's the Walker definition of it. Um, but, you know, we have 200 American denominations and somewhere between 45,000 worldwide denominations. And that's a broad – like that. that's not a set number. That number it, it is definitely more and is probably increasing by the day as well.
0: And, and that's a Wyatt Fairman – Quote. So if you disagree with that, don't come after us. We stole it from him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was on one of our previous episodes. Um,
2: you'll have to go back and listen to that one, What Should I Believe, uh, season one, episode six. But, um, you know, denominationalism is not something that's new to our society, to our culture, to our world. It's been around for a really long time, and it's uh, something that was even talked about in the Bible itself and uh, Jesus even knew that denominationalism was coming. Um, and, you know, some historians believe that it started as early as so the 5th century. But we, we know from the scripture that we, we have come to the conclusion that it may have even started during scriptural times as well. Um, Jesus warns us as false teachers and all these different things uh, in scripture as
0: well. Yeah, and we, and we see an example of a church being corrupted by a false teacher in Revelation chapter 2. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 is where John is writing to the seven churches of Asia. And one of those churches is the church at Thyatira. And uh, John had already talked to a couple churches. He said, you know, this is what you're doing well. This is where you're struggling. So you you need to improve in this area. The church at Thyatira, uh, he begins to talk to them in chapter 2 and verse 18. And then in verse 19, he says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So Paul, or excuse me, not Paul. So John is saying, you guys are doing a lot of good and you're doing more good today than you were yesterday. But, verse 20 starts off with but, so it's never a good sign. (laughs) Verse 20, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice to practice sexual immortality, or excuse me, immorality, immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immor- immorality. Good night. That's <laughs>
1: Denominationalism and immorality.
0: Those are big, both big long words we got to be careful. I'm a Bible major, not a speaking <laughs> major. I apologize. But verse 22 he continues Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. So what do we have in this passage? Well, besides my inability to talk, what we have in this passage is... <laughs> What if we just had a like a, a voiceover
1: of like we get Billy Smith or somebody <laughs> <laughs> to just say the word denominationalism one time or, or something? Anyway, sorry. Can no, <laughs> sure. we just throw that yeah, morality? Yeah. yeah. We'll fix it in the post. It's <laughs> fine. We'll fix it in the post.
0: But the point is, in this passage, John is, is calling out this leader of the church of Thyatira who goes by the name of Jezebel. And some people speculate whether or not that was a real name or that it was just something that they were she was called because she was evil. Point is There was this woman who was leading the church at Thyatira astray. She was seducing them, it says. And, you know, John says, we gave her time to repent. We, you know, told her that what she's doing is wrong. She needs to come back to the Lord and she hasn't. And so what he says in verses 22 and 23 is that not only is he going to punish her, he being God, not only is God going to punish her, but he's going to punish those who are following her into this false teaching. And so, you know, even... Even this early in the church, I mean, Revelation is one of the later books in the New Testament that was written, but it's still very, very early on in the, in the history of the church, probably 30 to 50 years after the death of Christ. Even this early on, we see churches being split. We see false teachers coming in. We see Jezebel leading the church at Thyatira astray. So this is certainly not something that is a 21st century problem. This is certainly not something that is just now. This has been happening since Christianity began, and I think that also brings
1: up a really good point about why this is so important to talk about. You mentioned that the the punishment for divisions and disunity here that caused um, the strife here in Thyatira it extended all the way to other people, it extended to her family and to all the people that you know followed her. So I think that just brings up a good point about why we're so invested in talking about this is because this affects everybody and it can be something that, you know, you don't think a whole lot of, but because it's, you know, it's so rampant and, and false teachers can be so um, undercover all the times and that we don't, we can't always see them. Um, It's really important to be on the watch. And you know, this isn't necessarily a a podcast uh, episode about false teachers. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about denominationalism. And so, I guess we, we want to be able to find the line and kind of determine um, the difference in, in in the true church and and the and where the church deviates basically, uh, and it affects everybody, it affects a lot of people, and we've really got to keep a close eye. I mean, that's a lot of the warnings of the New Testament to the churches, uh, and like you said, it still applies today.
2: And uh, like Logan was saying, in this episode, we're really focusing on. Uh, denominationalism in the word itself and what scripture has to say regarding that and uh, if you remember um, if you haven't listened to season one yet I would encourage you to actually go listen to the one with Wyatt Fairman, uh, episode six because there we sort of start to begin talking about some things that differ between uh, the church that Jesus built um, and the beliefs that it has compared to what other people or what other denominations or what other religions might believe as well um, and so that's what we're really going to be diving into, especially in season three. Um, we're going to be getting into some more of these issues that uh, that are
0: contradictory in, uh, our, in, in our world today. And a lot of these issues that we're looking at, they deal with the, the topic of doctrine, mm-hmm. right? Uh, all these denominations believe different things about Jesus, believe that he taught one thing or didn't teach something else. And some of them... Maybe right, some of them may be wrong. That's not our place, right? We're just here to show you guys what the scripture says, and so. uh, But again, it all boils back down to doctrine. What does the Bible say, and what does it mean for us? And a lot of the the conflict between denominations comes when we we step aside from doctrine and we look at more tradition. You know, I go to Mm -hmm. Church A. The church Church A calls itself. Fill in the blank. The church A follows this, right? And so we we get away from doctrine, and we start to get into this conflict with the church names.
2: Most definitely, and uh, we were talking about this the other day. Whenever we were uh, planning this episode, and um, talking about how you know we have we know of a lot of churches that really tend to promote themselves as the one church that leads to heaven and stuff. And we don't want, during this episode, we're not trying to promote one church that we're demanding you to attend or anything like that. We want to show you, like Isaiah was saying, what scripture says, and we want you to attend the church that Jesus established and uh, the church that closely and almost identically aligns with what his scripture says regarding New Testament worship.
1: And it's tough a lot of times because you've got churches that you know every every church has a, a sign you know up front right mm-hmm. and that sign with the name gives a certain implication about what they teach or what they believe right because we have certain uh, doctrines or beliefs tied to those names mm-hmm. um, which is the point I mean you know we've got to have names that's why we name grocery stores and that's why we name you know everything you got to right. know where you're going what you're doing mm-hmm. um, but that also leads to some some conflicts because um, because it can be deceiving sometimes some there might be a church that maybe um, called one thing but doesn't follow as closely to traditionally what um, we may understand that church to uh, believe. Um, but also something else we talked about was just that there's um there's a pretty immediate problem we see with how people name churches. You know we talked about going about this biblically with love and everything. Um, I think one of the one really good indicator um, that we talked about was really looking for a church that seeks Christ, and a good uh, a good way to see that is is in the name. Even that's a that's a really good first indicator. Um, you know how do we how do we know this church is going to be promoting Christ above all? That's really something to look at.
0: There's a quote that we found from a certain uh, teacher of a denomination, and before we read this quote. Again, we just want to reiterate the fact that we're not trying to attack this group. We're not trying to discredit this group or anyone who is affiliated with this group. Uh, This is simply a quote from a religious leader about the subject, about naming churches, about the division within the church. Um, and It's it's by Martin Luther, who uh, some say established the Lutheran church. Uh, But this quote here that I found by Martin Luther kind of goes against the idea that he established the lutheran church. He said, "I ask that my name be left silent and people not call themselves lutheran, but rather christians. Who is luther? The doctrine is not mine. I have been crucified for no one." St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 would not suffer that the christians should call themselves of paul or of peter, but christian How should I, a poor stinking bag of worms... That's a quote. He literally said that. (laughs) That's not added in. Sorry. No, thank you for (laughs) for making that point. Uh, Martin Luther said, How should I, a poor stinking bag of worms, become so that the children of Christ are named with my unholy name? It should not be, dear friends. Let us extinguish all factious names and be called Christians whose doctrine we have. The Pope's men rightly have a factious name because they are not satisfied with the doctrine and name of Christ and want to be with the Pope, who is their master. I have not been and will not be a master. Along with the church, I have the one general teaching of Christ, who alone is our master. Now, of course, if you know anything about Martin Luther, you know that he came about at a time where the Catholic Church kind of ruled the world in in terms of religion. Uh, The Catholic Church was the dominant church. And Martin Luther and several other men stood up to the Catholic Church. They said, you know, you guys have stopped teaching what the Bible is teaching. You guys have f- fallen away. And again, this is Martin Luther saying this, that you guys have fallen away from what the Bible actually teaches. Uh, and Martin Luther is famous for nailing, I believe it was his, his 99 theses on the door of that German church uh, for everyone to find on, on Sunday morning mass. Uh, the, the all the things that he found incorrect with the Catholic Church. Um, and so he gained a following, and I believe this quote was right before his death. I I don't know that for a fact, but I believe this quote was right before his death. And he says that he wants his name to be silenced, that people are to follow Christ rather than Luther. And again, we're not trying to attack Lutherans, but this is what the attitude that we should all have. Uh, I believe we're going to reference this later in the podcast as well, but... It's good to bring up now, I think, that in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, Peter and the other apostles said, we ought to obey God rather than men, right? And, that, and that's kind of where all these denominations come from, is when people stop following God and start following what a man says. And like Martin Luther said, we're not perfect. We haven't been crucified for anyone. Why should our doctrine be taught instead of the doctrine of Christ?
2: That's right. Um- you know, you brought up the idea of man's way and God's way, and that's really what all of these issues that we're talking about boils down to. Man has established, the world has established this view of this topic, and God has established a totally different view that we often uh, either neglect or um, the world teaches us their view before we can ever learn the scripture's view of the issue. And um, And so, this idea of man's way versus God's way has been an issue even since the beginning of time Um, we reference Genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve a lot on this podcast but you can tie it into so many things and one of those things is the idea of man's way versus God's way. Man thought that they could do it their way and not be punished because they were tempted and fell for temptation by the serpent but God's way was totally different and ultimately God showed them what uh, the desired way that he would have them uh, to live and he showed them uh, how that hurt uh, him and how that hurt the future generations, um, and so whenever we talk about this idea of denominationalism, we establish at the beginning that it divides, and people are divided, and so this hurts the church. Um, we and Martin Luther's quote, he, he references First Corinthians chapter three, um, and talks about how really that those two verses are talking about the idea of how we should all call ourselves Christians and. If we all did that, then we would be unified, assuming that we all believe the same things as Christians. And I think that's another issue that we struggle with with denominationalism. We have all these different groups of people who believe different things, and we all call ourselves Christians, but the doctrinal issues
0: among those Christians are way different. Um, and so, and is it, is it any wonder that this throws people away from Christianity? Right. I mean, I've talked to so many people who say, you know, Christianity could be good, but. I mean, they can't even agree on what they're teaching. So if they can't agree on what they're teaching, then why do I need to listen to it? Mm -hmm. So not only does unity hurt the church now, but it hurts the growth of the church. It hurts Mm -hmm. those who have not yet joined into Christ, those who have not yet followed him. So, you know, that's another thing that we need to watch out for when we're, you know, talking to other Christians or talking to other people is people don't like division, And so they're going to try to avoid division, try to avoid conflict. And if that means avoiding Christianity in general, then they're going to do it.
2: You know, uh, Isaiah and I, we take a personal evangelism class together here at Freed Hardeman. And, uh, the other day we had a guest speaker come in and he talked about, uh, personal evangelism and talking to people who are apathetic about their faith. And, um, someone who is apathetic about their faith is sort of like the met emoji. Um, and so, uh, You know, we're we're living in a culture now that has a lot of people who are just meh about religion in general. They're meh about their faith. Uh, Even those who are within the church and who are personal evangelists can even sometimes get meh about their faith. And so um, whenever we have this meh viewpoint about our faith, um, it can be easy to just give up on this whole idea of Christianity. Because like Isaiah was saying, we have all these different things that we can choose to believe. And it's too much work to try to figure out, hey, this is the right way. This is not. This is what I should do. This isn't. And so it can be easy to just say, okay, I completely give up and I just want to stop. And so that's not what we want you to do. Um, We want you to do the exact opposite and keep on going.
0: And not only does it affect those Christians who aren't strong in their faith, but it can affect entire churches. Uh, This verse is technically taken out of context. But in Mark chapter 3 and verse 25, Jesus says, if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Mm-hmm. Now, in in context, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees who are accusing him of being able to cast out demons from people by the power of the devil. And Jesus says that doesn't make any sense, y'all. Why would the devil allow other people? Or why would the devil allow me to cast out demons? That's just weakening him, right? Uh, but Jesus' point, I think, applies to everything right if there is a division in a house's foundation what's going to happen that house is going to fall down right that house is going to split it's going to be damaged and uh you know the same thing applies to churches it applies to, to families if there is a division that means that it's not one so now you've got these two separate things where one thing should be and you know, like we always say, there's there's strength in numbers, right? If you cut your numbers in half, you're half as strong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think he really ought to give credit to Luther for
1: what he was doing here in this quote. And I just keep looking back at it and keep reading because it, it really blows my mind, the humility he had here. Because he, mm-hmm. um, like was shown earlier, he never really wanted this to be uh, something that divided people based on, on his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he understood that. He said, I ask that my name be left silent. And people not call themselves Lutheran, but rather Christians. And I think that's a really good step towards this unity that we're talking about. Is if we could see each other as Christians mm-hmm. first, um, before attaching ourselves to any other creed or any other um, any other teachings. Uh, I think the first thing for anybody, uh, for for us, for anybody listening to this, it's let's call ourselves Christians because when we call when we when we use the name Christian uh, more often than we use. Some other faction or name, uh, it brings us together in that we know that we have the same goal, and we know that the teachings that we ultimately adhere to are Christ's, mm-hmm. and not some other man or man-made tradition or um, or teaching. You know, let's it, let's let's all come back and be brought back around to Christ every single time, mm-hmm. and that will and cutting down those those barriers in names will cut down a whole lot of barriers in opportunities to speak to each other. If you meet somebody and, and you automatically, the first thing you ask them, you know, what what religion or denomination are you? And they tell you some kind of name based on their church. It may add some sort of barrier there. And, you, I mean, you talk about personal evangelism here. I think a way that we we approach personal evangelism is, is try and call ourselves Christians. It helps tear down some barriers. It, it helps us imagine uh, less of a, a struggle and we can really, you know, get to the heart of the matter a whole lot quicker with the same goal in mind.
0: And the thing with these barriers is it's not a barrier that God created. Yeah. This is not the intention that God had with the church. And we're going to talk about this later. We still, uh, we still have a, a few more points before we actually get into this. But the, the point is that these barriers are man-made. Mm-hmm. These are things that we put between ourselves. And then we wonder why we feel alone, yeah. right? I mean, if you lock yourself in a room and you don't let anyone else in... No one else is going to be there.
2: Yeah.
0: It's the same thing applies to, to Christianity, right? If we lock ourselves in this box, say, I go to church such and such. Mm-hmm. I only associate with people who go to church such and such. Then we're just building up those barriers. We're building up those walls. And not only, as we've been talking about, does that ruin our chances for evangelism You know, to those who may not be Christians or may be following uh, Christ in a way that is not what the Bible says, But it also, you know, it cuts us off from any support or any encouragement that God can give us through those people. So not only are we hurting their chances at salvation, but we're hurting ourselves in the process.
2: That's right. And I think it's also important here while we're on this topic of evangelism and personal evangelism um, to also point out that whenever we are talking to someone about uh, what church they attend or uh, what denomination they're a part of or whatever, like Logan was mentioning, I think we've— I've seen this happen a lot recently, and someone will mention a certain denomination or a certain group, and then they'll immediately shut down the conversation, or they'll immediately become closed-minded to that topic or that, uh, or to that group. And I think that's a big issue that is causing um, division among our uh, among fellow Christians today, is because we mention what church we're from or something like that, and we already have this preconceived notion of how they act or how they do things, and then we shut them down and we just say, I don't wanna listen to you no more, I already know what your uh, denomination or your your place teaches and I don't agree with this, I'm not gonna talk to you about it. We need to be open-minded because we're all here to reach common ground and the only way that we're gonna reach common ground is that if we talk things out together. We can't be shutting down people at the first moment we hear something that we don't want to hear. We need to be open-minded and listen to How do people get to this conclusion? How do they reach this verdict of
0: this is what the Bible says regarding this? And when we're going into those conversations, like Walker said, it's important for us to have an open mind, not just for the purpose of having the conversation, but for the purpose of making sure that we are in the right. Because the Bible was given to us as a mirror. Uh, the, The mirror shows us what God expects us to be, how he expects us to act how we should live, how we should worship. And the Bible is straightforward on a lot of things. And if we're not in that line, if we're not following that straight path, then we need to do better. And part of that is coming into conversations like that with an open mind and being willing to just say, okay, let's forget my biases. Let's forget my church's tradition. Let's forget your biases. Let's forget your church's tradition. Let's just sit down and see what the Bible really has to say. And oftentimes when we do that, we can find, you know, either either that we're being, that we've been misguided or that we've misinterpreted something, or we can help someone show, or we can help someone find out that they have been. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of one of the problems with denominationalism is that it misuses scripture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verses 16 and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we're taking that inspired word of God, it should be one meaning, right? We and I'm not I'm not saying that this verse means one thing. We can we can make applications, you know, several applications off of each verse, because there's a lot in each verse. Mm-hmm. But the point is those two applications shouldn't contradict one another. And that's where a lot of denominationalism comes from, is when one group of people and another group of people both look at the same topic or the same passage, and when they can't reach the same conclusion, then there's that, there, then there's that divide. There There's that split, and that's when the church is hurt.
2: And that split is what provides a bunch of false ways that Scripture doesn't support. And so uh, we... It, we need to do our best to avoid that split. So I guess the question comes down to was, well, what was Christ's intentions whenever he first established the new Testament church? And, um, we hit on this
1: earlier. I think it begins with unity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we'd go to Ephesians four for that easily. Mm -hmm. Um, the whole point of this section in Ephesians four, um, look verses one through six, you got this entire, um, passage about unity 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 Mm -hmm. Um, unity in uh, the body verse four uh, in the spirit we're called to the same hope unity in hope unity in the lord unity in faith and baptism Um, there's a reason you know we're supposed to be together uh, in this in this fight there's a reason we're supposed to be you know one church definitely Uh, You know, I heard it it pointed
2: out to me one time uh, regarding the topic of um, what we're talking about today. um, That in this verse, it also mentions one Lord. And if the Bible supported multiple different churches and multiple different teachings, then we wouldn't just have one Lord who went to die for us. Mm -hmm. Since we only had one Lord who went to die for Mm -hmm. us, we know that there's only one truth. And we know that there's only one way because Mm -hmm. he was the only one that God had sent. And so it, it, it's through that that we know that, and it even says we have one Lord and one faith and one hope. And so if we can come to an agreement on all three of those things, then we know that there's only, uh, there's only one thing that Jesus expects us to do. And Jesus even prayed for unity, right, Isaiah, in John chapter 17?
0: He absolutely did. Uh, John chapter 17, that's an a entire chapter just devoted to a prayer that Jesus prayed while in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was about to happen, not only to him, but to his apostles and to those who would follow. And so that's what he prayed for. He prayed for himself. He prayed uh, that he would be able to, to glorify God in what he was about to go through. Then he prayed for his apostles, that they would not be discouraged even with his death, but that they would continue on teaching the things that he has taught them. And then in verse uh, in verse 20 Jesus starts to pray for his disciples, not just for those who were there with him, not just for those who had seen him and had followed him since the beginning, but for all those who would follow. Uh, Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, talking about his apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So Jesus is saying, God, I'm praying for all Christians. I'm praying for all those who will believe in me because of what the apostles have said. Which you know includes the original audience, like in Acts chapter two, and all those following, and it includes us because we are also still following Christ. We're still believing in Christ. And he goes on to say that he prays for unity, right? He said he prays for us to be one just as he and the Father are one. Of course, that can get into a conversation on Jesus's deity, which we're not going to go into now. Uh, But the point is that Jesus and the Father are one. Christians should be like Jesus. I mean, that's the name of Christian, right? If you look at what the word Christian means, it means Christ-like. And so we are to be one just as Christ is one.
2: Most definitely. Um, you know, and talking about this idea of oneness uh, and talking about Christ's intentions for the church, you mentioned Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 really lays the foundation of what, uh, what the New Testament church should look like and we don't have time to dissect all of acts chapter two today that could be a whole 12-hour episode but (laughs) if you were to read acts chapter two in its entirety and even the even the new testament books prior the the four gospel accounts prior you would you would start to see the, the foundation that christ has laid out for the church and how he wants the church to um to run or how he how he desires for the church to act and so um Given that the name is Acts, um, anyhow, uh, but you know we see throughout Acts that this one true doctrine, this one through, this one true
0: foundation that he, he wants us to follow. You know, it's interesting when we look at Acts chapter two at within the issue of denominationalism. Mm-hmm. If there was ever going to be a time where the church should have been divided, it was right there. Yeah. Because Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 says that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under earth. Mm-hmm. We know from uh, other passages that this was right at the time of Pentecost, which is a big Jewish fe- – big Jewish fe- – I apologize. <laughs> big Jewish that's, festival. That's <laughs> going to be a Billy Smith voiceover. Don't worry. We'll, <laughs> we'll edit that too. <laughs> I'm just going to retire after this episode. (laughs) Anyway, but that was a big Jewish festival. Oh, still not in it. (laughs) Nope, Okay. We know what you're trying to say. The Jews were in Jerusalem (laughs) for a party. There we go. The point is, a lot of Jews made the trip down to Jerusalem to be here at Pentecost. So after Pentecost, what were they going to do? They were going to pack up and they were going to go back home to their separate nations. They're separate uh, countries. And it says in chapter chapter 2, verse 5, that every nation under her, every nation under heaven was represented here. If there was ever going to be a time where the church was to be split, it was here, right? You've got people from all over. You've got people from every nation coming together and then spreading back out. If there was going to be different doctrines taught, it would have been right there, but we don't see that. Yeah, and you've got all of the apostles standing
1: up to teach in these people's languages. That's a really good point you bring this up um, because you said if that was if that was the chance to make changes and to be divided, um, you know, Peter could have spoken to this one group and told them, here's how you need to take this message back to Asia. Or here he could have talked to, you know, um, Nathaniel could have spoken to this group and said, here's how you take this back to uh, Egypt or whatever, you know. Um, but he didn't do that. They spoke to all of these different peoples from all over the world in different languages, but guess what? There was one message. There was uh, one—they were translating the same thing through the Holy Spirit about the reality of Christ's death. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, this whole whole sermon preached by Peter is the history of Israel, and it culminates with that one death of Jesus, and that one death is what everyone reacts to in— uh, verse thirty-seven, when they ask Peter what they're supposed to do, you know, how do we respond to this, this death of the that we caused through our sin? Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave them, guess what, the same one answer for everybody to be baptized into the same one church. It's beautiful. It's really cool.
2: It is, and you, and going back to this whole point about if this was the time to be divided, it'd be now. Um, and really, that could be said throughout the whole book of Acts because <laughs> throughout Acts, the apostles are sent out to teach. Uh, to teach other people and to teach other groups of people. And if God wanted division to happen now, this would have been the perfect time because as they're out teaching, they could have all taught, uh, like Logan was saying, different groups of people, different things. And then we'd have the the division um, if that was God's true intention. But we see that um, in Acts that that never happened. It stayed one truth. They taught about one savior. His name was Jesus Christ. And he even established in the book prior to this, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, that he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and that no man can come to the Father except through him. And so um, it, it seems to me that this is a pretty uh, solid foundation for what Christ has laid out for the church.
1: And it really brings it back to that Martin Luther quote again. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we could have almost outlined the whole, the, the whole podcast right. on that one quote. I, I just can't get it out of my mind. Because um, it's all about who died for you, Mm -hmm. you know? We're supposed to be added to this church through the one who died for us. There is no church without that death. Um, And like Luther said, I haven't died for anybody, you know? Um, 1 Corinthians 3 says, uh, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of uh, of Cephas, none of them died for anybody. That was the point. Um, It's all about Christ, it's all about Christ. And he's that one true savior through that one true doctrine, providing the unity for that one true church. It's cool.
0: And the, the goal of that one true church should always be to rejoin him in in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. right. That's why we do what we do because we want to rejoice with him in heaven for all eternity. And we want you to be here too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We want everyone to join us there in heaven because we followed the one true doctrine given to us by the one true savior and because there's one true doctrine given us given to us by the one true savior that means like john chapter 14 and verse 6 says that there is one true way to get to heaven and we keep referencing back to this episode but uh, in the episode that we did with wyatt fairman we talked a lot about this we talked about what the bible says we should do in order to get on that one way ticket to heaven
2: yeah, and it's important before we dive into these six uh, things that we must do in order to get to heaven that this is in no way, shape, or form a, uh, in sequence um, with uh, throughout Scripture. It doesn't go in chronological order. These are just conditional steps that throughout Scripture we see outlined as vital steps that God has emphasized that, hey, if you want to follow me, then
0: you need to do this. And it first starts with hearing it. Absolutely, and just before again before we dive into that, Mm -hmm. uh, for those who haven't been on this podcast, we've we've given this explanation a few times. But for those who haven't heard it yet, we're going to go ahead and give it again. The Bible, especially the New Testament, and especially the Book of Acts, where we see a lot of the early church and early early Christians beginning to uh, beginning to exist, is that it's a book of conversations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so one person is not at the same level, spiritually speaking, as another person. The example that I always go to is the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 versus the crowd at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The crowd at Pentecost, as we said uh, in chapter 2 and verse 5, were devout men. They were people who were already belonging to the religion of uh, Judaism. Mm -hmm. They were already looking for the promised Messiah. They were already looking for Jesus. They just didn't know that it was him that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's why Peter says in chapter 2 and verse 38 that all they need to do is repent and be baptized because they've already started that journey. The Philippian jailer had not. He was, to the best of our knowledge, either someone who did not follow any religion or a pagan because of where he was living and the the time of when he was living. Those are the, the, the two safe assumptions that we have. He was either not religious or he followed multiple false gods. And that is why Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 told him to believe because he had to believe before he could go up the, the rest of the steps, so to speak. Um, but like you said, you can't believe, you can't repent, you can't do any of those things until you first hear the word.
2: And it's important that you hear the true message, not some fabricated or sugar-coated message that is not all there. And whenever we talk about these things, we don't want you to just listen to this And take it in and that be it. We want you to actually study this for yourself. Um, Be intentional about your own faith and really dive into the scriptures yourself. Look at these verses that we're referencing. Mm -hmm. See, Make sure that what we're saying aligns with what the scriptures are actually saying. And if, if we are in any way, shape, or form taking something out of context or misusing a verse in any way, shape, or form, let us know. Because we would be grateful that you did. Um, because it is not our intention to lead you down the wrong way. But through our study and through our preparation, we have found that this, um, that hearing uh, the message, the one true message that we talked about so far, is one of the first steps to get to heaven. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 references that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then once we hear that, then we have to believe what we heard, like the Philippian jailer had to, he had to uh, make a decision for himself am I going to believe this? And that's a decision you have to make as well, especially if you're not a Christian today, you have to make that choice. Am I going to believe about this one true doctrine, this one true savior? Um, And am I going to follow in the path of unity? And what a difference
1: that would make, you know, if we all commit to hearing that word from Christ himself and through the spirit. Um, You know, I think we get caught up a lot in trying to you know, I like, I like podcasts. I like y'all's podcasts. I, like, <laughs> I like listening to the Bible Project podcast. There's a bunch right. I listen to, you know, right. but that's not Christ speaking. That's not God speaking through his word. And, uh, you know, we're talking about denominations being separ- separated and everything. You know, what a difference it would make if we all streamlined back into hearing directly from his word through study. Um, and how much, how much more connected we would be um, in that because we're hearing it from Christ.
2: I think—I'm I, speaking for myself, but I think Isaiah, maybe even Logan can speak for this as well. Whenever I'm preparing these type lessons for this podcast or if I'm preparing a lesson for a church on Sunday or whatever, I gain more out of studying during that time than mm-hmm. I do anywhere else. Oh, yeah. And, um, and it, it's amazing about how much you can gain if you truly sit down and focus for about an hour on Scripture and just see what the Bible has to say— um, because it is truly, you know, we often like to talk about hallmark movies. I think the Bible <laughs> is a great hallmark book. Um, it, it has a, it has a great storyline from beginning to end, and it's uh, the greatest joy story ever written, in my opinion. And it takes you through some highs and lows. Um, there's some heart wrenching things in there, but in the end, we we see we see the plan of redemption revealed. Mm-hmm. We see all these different things revealed and it's And it's amazing. But throughout this, we see a message of repentance that's preached. And in Acts chapter 2, that's what's being preached during this time, is a message of repentance. Um, There's other, I'm reminded of Philippians uh, chapter 2, a message of repentance being preached there as well. And there's various different books where Paul, Peter, and the 12 apostles are going in and they're preaching this message of repentance. Whenever Jonah was tasked to go to Nineveh, the message he was tasked to give was a message of repentance and so God wants us to identify that hey, we're not perfect and none of us who are recording this episode are perfect um, and we, we've we said that before and we'll continue to say that because we never want you to think that we're the ones with all the answers and I'm going to go on this tangent for just a second we often <laughs> this is not Isaiah's tangent, this is my tangent Walker's tangent yes, <laughs> <So>. uh, <laughs> and that is we often can become very uh, – it, it seems to me that we become uh, very easy to listen. We, if you're the type of church-going person that I am and uh, that many people that I know are, it can be very easy to go to worship, listen to the preacher, and just take in what he's saying and just say, okay, what he's saying must be true and that be it. And I think it can be very easy to get in that cycle, but that's also a very, very dangerous cycle to get into as well because not everything that the preacher is saying may be true. And I'm not trying to discredit your preacher in any way, shape or form, but like Logan said, we don't know it all. I don't know it all. Isaiah doesn't know it all. None of us know everything. But I can tell you one book that does tell us everything that we need to know. And that is the book that we are teaching you from today, the Bible. And that is the only book that will ever teach you what you truly need to know. Um and One thing that we need to know is that we got to repent whenever we do wrong. And it can be hard at times, especially whenever we're filled with pride or whenever we feel like we haven't done anything wrong. That's the first moment that, or first sign to me at least, that we've done something wrong. If we feel that we haven't done anything wrong, then we've definitely done something wrong and we need to change our lives. And uh, look in the mirror at ourselves and see if we have been living a life that truly reflects the life that Christ lived. Because he was faced with the same temptations and the same things that we're faced with today. But through those things, he overcame them, he didn't fall for them, and he was able to be perfect throughout those times.
0: Amen. And you know, after we recognize the fact that we are weak, that we are flawed, that we are imperfect, and we churn away from that sin, we say, I'm not doing that again, I'm not falling for that trick again. And we devote ourselves fully to Christ. Another thing that we need to do, and as Wyatt mentioned in season one, episode six, (laughs) um, repentance and confession, the next step, can be uh, switched, right? Uh, Those two things often kind of happen at the same time, Mm -hmm. where you recognize the fact that I've sinned, I've messed up, but Jesus is Lord. I've failed, but Jesus has not. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to turn my life over to him. I'm going to confess that he is Lord and I'm going to serve him with all of my might. That realization
1: is kind of what, uh, I guess, Thomas felt. Um, you know, the the what time we really get an interaction with Thomas and Jesus, um, we call him Doubting Thomas because he, he failed in that he didn't have enough faith without experience, experientially, you know, seeing the risen Jesus, feeling the risen Jesus. And then when he did, he kind of had that same reaction, both in one, the re- repentance, And confession. And while he didn't flat out say, you know, I repent, it's kind of implied. He realizes his wrong and he says, my Savior and my God, Mm -hmm. and realizes at the same time. It's really cool how they go together. Definitely. And uh, Logan mentioned earlier in
2: Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 the message that Peter preached to the people about what they must do in order to be a part of the one true Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's through baptism and uh, adding on Christ. Uh, through that humble and obedient act. This is often disputed uh, among various groups and denominations today, the argument of, is baptism essential? And I think scripture clearly outlines that it is. um, And Peter said it whenever he was teaching to these people. It was also addressed through many other uh, apostles and the gospel accounts. Baptism is
1: essential. Yep. I was just gonna say baptism is just as essential as all the other right. um, steps mm-hmm. just as we would all agree that you have to hear the word you yeah. have to believe you have to repent and confess those are all I mean. obvious things I think that most people agree on mm-hmm. in order to come into faith of Jesus yeah. um, baptism is just as important to those um, mm-hmm. one thing that I always like to do to help m- me be reminded of this is we've mentioned acts a lot but man what a good I, we talk about the church the mm-hmm. church um, we talk about denominations today and mm-hmm. The church, you want to see the church. Go to Acts. Um, that's what. That's the point of it. Um, but the thing I like to do is I just like to flip through and look at every instance in Acts of a conversion, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of you can like have this little checklist of, um, you know, of all of hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, remain faithful, and you could check most of those off for each individual, and you could definitely check off baptism for all but a couple that had to be cut short for um, a couple of accounts that had to be cut short for, you know, saving paper, you know. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, baptism is just as important. You see that in, you talk about the Philippian jailer. Um, You talk about
0: um, all the other instances in Acts. Mm -hmm. just covers it all the time. But it doesn't stop there. Mm -mm. It it cannot stop there. Yeah. Let me rephrase. (laughs) Not only does it not stop there, but it cannot stop there. Right. Because baptism, as Peter says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, is for forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. So once you've been baptized, if you're baptized for the right reason, then your sins are taken away. But guess what? That doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect after baptism. That doesn't mean that we're going to be flawless after baptism. We're still going to be human. We're still going to sin. We're still going to fall short of the glory of God. And so we need to stay in that straight path. We We can't just, you know, dunk and dip, uh, as I've heard some people say, right? We we can't just be baptized and then leave because that means that you had salvation in your hands, mm-hmm. but then you turned away from it. You stopped following God after that. You can't stop following God after you follow one command. Mm-hmm. You've got to follow all of them. And one of those commands we see in Revelation chapter two and verse 10, where John says, be faithful unto death. And John is, of course, speaking, Uh, from God be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life be faithful unto death and you will be in heaven Mm -hmm. right and as we mentioned earlier that should be the goal of every Christian Mm -hmm. that should be the goal of every congregation is to get to heaven is to be with Jesus for all eternity and we cannot do that unless we hear believe repent confess be baptized and stay faithful definitely and this whole topic that we talked about today
2: uh of denominationalism it really comes down to one bottom line and that is are we going to choose to follow man's way and the way that man has lined out for us or are we going to choose to follow God's way because man's way is not God's way even though sometimes it may feel like man's way is better. God's way is always a, has a better plan for us. He, he always has something greater in mind for us. Um, Any of y'all got anything to add for that point before we uh, start to wrap it up?
1: We had... written down in Matthew 6. I think it's important because Mm -hmm. like everything we've talked about so far, we talk about that one, him being the one savior with the one doctrine, the one church. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And obviously, just like another passage we used earlier, it's talking about God and money, laying up your treasures in heaven, but um, this applies to anything. You can't serve God and someone else. And so I think the bottom line being we're choosing man's way or God's way. Um, I think the bottom line is choose Christ. Mm-hmm. Choose the Savior that died for you and be a Christian uh, as opposed to any other denominational um,
0: you know name. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we looked at the Martin Luther quote a lot. And one thing that we haven't mentioned is the fact that at the end of his quote, He references Matthew chapter 23 and verse 8, where Jesus says, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And I think that that sentence by Jesus there really sums up what our life as a Christian is. We have one teacher. It's not us. We have one teacher, and that's Christ. And the rest of us are brothers. Mm -hmm. We are connected. We have that bond. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that is why denominationalism hurts the church is because we stop being brothers. Like we talked about earlier, we're putting up those walls Mm -hmm. and we're hurting the church. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting the other Christians and we're hurting God.
2: And a lot of times, and this is, we don't have enough time to cover this today, but a lot of times the reason why we split and the reason why we divide is over tiny issues. This may not even be over the big issue or some of the big controversial issues that we'll discuss later on, but it's over, the tiny issues that arouse in the church. And uh, it could be something as simple as the color of the shirt that someone's wearing or whatever. I mean, there's many different reasons that churches have divided over the years. And God's intentions for the church was to never divide. But he also gave us the ability of free will. And he gave us the ability to make choices on our own. And if we choose to leave, or if we choose to divide, then that's That's something that's going to come with its own consequences. And so we need to be aware of that whenever we're deciding which way we're going to choose. Man's way, God's way. He's going to let you choose whichever one you want. But he ultimately begs you to choose his way.
0: You know, it's interesting when you bring up the little skirmishes that we have in congregations and now how those little things can drive churches apart. Mm -hmm. I think it all boils back down to when people are not following what we see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they, being Christians... Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. If we as Christians are not being devoted to teaching what the Bible teaches, to fellowshipping with one another, to remembering the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, to praying to God, if we're not devoted to those things, then we're not focused on the right things. If we're not focused on the right things, then it's easy for us to be distracted by trivial matters, things that don't have any consequence. And those things are, like you said, what often separate the church. Definitely.
2: You know, this 55 minutes has flown by. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> it has. And, um, but we covered a lot. We've broken down a lot. We've looked at a lot of things. And you probably have a lot of questions, and that's okay. We want to hear your questions. We want to know what you're thinking. We want to know um, how you feel about this topic. Um, we want to know what your thoughts are. Because ultimately, like we say at the end of every episode, we're here for you, and we truly mean that. And so uh, we want to use this episode and every episode that we have as an opportunity to offer you a study. If you ever want to study these things more in depth uh, with one of us, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to do so. We have a series of studies that we can walk you through and show you uh, more in depth about what we're talking about because it truly is a lot to cover in a 60 minute episode. But um, we're more than happy to talk with you. Um, So reach out to us, we have a Facebook page. Um, you can search up our podcast on there, Instagram, T-T-E-O-J underscore podcast. And we also have a phone number, 731-439-9671. And you can reach out to us any one of those ways. We'll be more than happy to help you in any way that we can and uh, more than happy to guide you in the way
0: that Christ would have you to live. Absolutely. Like Walker said, we're here for you any way that we can be. And we pray that this study has been uplifting. We pray that everything that we said has been accurate according to God's word, and that it has helped you understand what Christ's intention for the church is. Um, And so for me personally, and from Logan and from Walker, we thank you guys for listening to us so much. And Walker is going to go ahead and close this episode out in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day. We thank you for
2: this time together. We thank you for this study together. And we pray that as we looked at this idea of what your word has to say regarding the one way, the one truth, and the one life, that we can ultimately strive to become better unified as your people uh, we don't like to be divided we know that you don't like division and we want we strive to become better united as your people and we pray that for those listening and for us here right now that we can continue to live in a way that will glorify you and that ultimately honors what your word has to say strengthen guide, and direct us and thank you for sending your son jesus to die on the cross for us for giving us the plan of redemption and giving us a way to get to heaven one day. And we pray for those who may be lost, that you can be with them and open up their eyes and show them the true way in order to get to heaven. Be with us, guide us, and direct us. In your son's name we pray, amen.
1: Amen.